0: Good morning, FCBC Walnut. Welcome to our English worship service online. Thank you so much for being patient with us these first two weeks as we are learning how to do online ministry. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning joining us at home. We fully encourage you to participate in every element of the service. I know that it's tempting to fast forward to the sermon uh, or just to, to skip the announcements. Uh, or to just uh, uh, sing the songs and then leave, uh, but we know that it's it's a totally different environment. So, you know, if you have to pause, just to reflect. If you have to pause to use the restroom, if you have to gather your kids, um, if you have to stop, that's okay. Uh, we pray that this worship experience would be one where you could fully give your heart unto God. I want to begin today with a few announcements, and then afterwards, Pastor Albert is going to lead us in the Lord's Supper. So announcement number one that we want to communicate with you is that we've been talking a lot on our, on our Facebook posts and on various other videos about our relief team. And our church is collecting donation items from f- f- uh, four families that are in need. We are collecting all non-perishable food items. We are collecting uh, good face masks. We are collecting essential supplies. And the church will be open uh, on Sundays from 12 to 2 p.m. and Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. where you can drop these items off. Uh, For more information, there is an email, which is relief at fcbcwalnut.org. Again, more information can be found on your digital bulletin. Secondly, we know that this is a time where the economy is, is stretching us. Our hearts break and we're constantly praying for those of you who are impacted by this. Either uh, your business is hurting, wh- whether your business is hurting, or maybe you have lost work due to this, or your hours have been cut significantly. We understand this. Uh, so this message is just for those who are in a position where God has blessed you and you're able to give. We pray that you would continue to give through online giving uh, and so that we can continue the ministries in, of our church, and uh, the next announcement is that due to the the uncertainty of of how long we will be in this COVID nineteen pandemic situation, our twenty twenty VBS Vacation Bible School will be postponed until further notice, and so we'll keep you updated on that. But please pray for us as we begin to explore what what types of ministries we can do online and what types of ministries. We ought to postpone because it loses its value when we can't do it in person. And lastly, thank you for those of you who were patient with, our, with us um, this last Wednesday during our Wednesday prayer meeting. We had some technical difficulties. I know that in the beginning, some of you had a hard time logging on and many of you had a hard time keeping your uh, connection online. Uh, but then thankfully, due to uh, our brother Peter Ao Yang and our brother Chris Louie, uh, we were able to open up another Google meeting room where if you were able to get in, uh, it ran smoothly. So thank you for your patience. Uh, we have, we've done some troubleshooting and this week, uh, there is a link on your digital bulletin. If you click that link, it will take you to uh, a virtual campus where then you click on a green box called English Prayer Meeting, And please do join us, 8.30 p.m. this Wednesday. Uh, If you're part of our database, you will receive an email from me, again, with a direct link uh, to our virtual campus and instructions for how to join us. So before we go into our time of Lord's Supper, if you allow me to pray for you and to pray for us, will you bow with me, please? Father, we come before you this morning in a very different setting. We're with our families at home. And even as I pray this, we know it's difficult. It may be difficult to focus. It may be difficult to gather the children. It may be difficult to to, uh, envision ourselves sitting before your pulpit, uh, and, and sitting in your house, but Lord, we are. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, as we partake in the Lord's Supper, though we are not physically together, that we would be together in unity in spirit, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, as we hear your word that it would bring us encouragement and it would convict us, Lord, to live for you. We pray during this season that we would continue to grow deeper in our faith in you. We pray, Lord, that we would continue to demonstrate love towards our neighbor. We want to pray especially for anyone who is sick, anyone who is is uh, physically ill or who is immunocompromised, that you would protect them. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, protect the health of all of the members of our church and our family and friends, but we pray especially for those who are susceptible to COVID-19, that you would protect them and bring healing to the sick. Father, we want to pray for our medical professionals, that you would continue to watch over them as they are on the front line of this. Protect them, give them courage, give them conviction, Lord. Help them to battle their stress and anxiety daily. Father, we want to pray for those who have lost work or who have been impacted emotionally, that their businesses have been impacted negatively uh, by this devastating uh, effect, Lord, of the COVID-19 on the economy. Father, we pray, Lord, for your, for your uh, guidance. Lord, we pray for your wisdom. We pray for your provision. Father, we want to pray for uh, we want to pray for anybody else that, that needs to go to work, uh, grocery store workers, delivery personnel, uh, essential workforce. Lord, we want just want to pray for your protection. And we, we're thankful, Lord, for all of these individuals who sacrifice to be there for us. And so, Lord, prepare us now to worship. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
1: Dear brothers and sisters, today we come together to observe the Holy Communion. In the midst of a crisis, coronavirus pandemic that is spreading around us. And that's why we are here. It is a major crisis. But when Jesus was instituting the first communion, he was facing a crisis. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. Verse 23. Jesus was facing betrayal from Judas. He was facing denial from Peter's for three times. He was facing the disciples forsaking him on that night, and more so, the crucifixion. In the midst of the crisis, Jesus pulled the disciples together and observed the Holy Communion. Before everything falls apart, through the eating of the bread, to remember that He gives His body for us, and through the drinking of the cup, to remember that this is the new covenant that He cut with His blood for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus pulls everything together. To remind the disciples of His sacrificial love on the cross is for the redemption of the world. So today, as we observe the Holy Communion in our respective home, remember God is with us. As a church, we are joined together by our faith in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Communion serves as a visual reminder of His love that nothing can separate us. And therefore today, in your respective home, and me standing in the Mac, observing this communion together, let us come with a grateful heart. Let us come by faith to remember our Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. The Bible reminds us to come before the Lord in in confession. If there's any sin against individuals or against God, let us confess our sins so that we can be right with Him and we will not be eating and drinking our own blood. Let's observe a moment of silent prayer before Him. Our Lord Jesus, we gather together, not in the same building, but in respective home. But our hearts are united together to observe the Holy Communion, to remember the Lord, your love, your sacrifice, and the accomplishment of the redemption of mankind. Father, we come together in confession of our sins and shortcomings and weaknesses against God and against people. We want to thank you for your forgiveness and allowing us to come to be right with you as we observe this communion together. We pray, Lord, that as we come together, you will move our hearts to Jesus because you remind us that the purpose of the communion is to remember Jesus. Help us to put our hearts and our thoughts together to remember Jesus for the sacrifice on the cross that he has given us. And therefore, we are able to come together in Jesus' name to remember him through Holy Communion. Thank you for your forgiveness of sins, and thank you for allowing us to come together to remember you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are a baptized member of our church or other churches, if you see online worship, you want to join us in a communion, we will invite you to come together with the elements that you have prepared at your home uh, and the drinks and the, and the biscuits that you have prepared in your home. Let us stand together as we take the communion. The Bible reminds us that Jesus took bread and broke it and said, This is my body for you. Take in remembrance of me. Let us take together by faith. in the same way after supper he took cup and said this cup is the blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins whenever you drink it in remembrance of me let's drink together let us pray dear Jesus we want to thank you for this time of special sacred moment to come together in respective home, and yet our hearts are united together by Jesus to remember you, to thank you for all that you have done for us. May you unite our hearts together to love you, to walk with you by faith and not by sight. And even in the midst of fear and even in the midst of coronavirus, continue to help us to be faithful in following Jesus. Allow us to grow deep in Christ. Allow us to grow deep in Christ by praying, by reading God's word, by worshiping you. And help us to go through this tough time together. We want to pray for those who are going through financial hardships. May you provide for them. We pray for your protection for the medical personnel and our brothers and sisters who are still working. As they go to the offices, that you will protect them as well. We pray for our loved ones, Lord, that you will watch over them. And Father, we pray for those who are infected that you will bring healing to them. And Father, we pray that by working together with the rest of the communities and individuals that we are able to suppress the curve and to see the coronavirus spread to slow down and we are able to get back to a normal life. In the midst of crisis, Lord, remind us of your presence and remind us of your love as we journey together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We may be seated let us continue to prepare our hearts to listen to god's word through the preaching uh, through our pastor
2: greetings fcbc walnut family and friends it has been a while since we've had the opportunity to be in the sermon on the mount so today we will come back to it in our corporate worship time as we go into god's word and as we allow the holy spirit to illumine god's word and we also allow the holy spirit to help us to apply it as we walk and journey in community with one another as a church family. So today we're gonna be looking at chapter seven, verses seven through 11. We are coming now to the end of these three chapters found in Matthew. And in this chapter, we find that Jesus is now wrapping up a lot of what he has been saying with how this can be pursued and the significance of living your life based on these kingdom values. When we began in chapter five, we found that the Beatitudes kicked off this sermon. This set of Beatitudes or ways of being blessed or ways of having joy that is eternal and transcendent is the means for God's people to be able to be salt and light when we live out these valleys and we trust God for how he will bring about the fulfillment of these truths and these Beatitudes in the new heavens and the new earth when Jesus returns. We see then later on in chapter 5, starting from verse 17 to 48, that Jesus establishes God's intention in the law in areas like anger, lust, marriage, vows, and retaliation. He takes these laws past the external, which the Pharisees and religious leaders were very strong at enforcing and in watching. And instead, he takes it into the hearts of man. And in doing so, the Lord rebuked these Jewish religious leaders in their hypocrisy. At the end, God expects complete obedience to the law because he is indeed perfect. And thankfully, Jesus met that requirement in his earthly life. So you and I, when we put our faith in Christ, God gives us his perfect righteousness and allows us to thrive and to live in him with our identity as sons and daughters of God. The sermon goes on in chapter six to speak of how kingdom living look like daily? How does a follower of Jesus practice a lifestyle of honoring God in front of others and in their hearts? How does life look for God's people as stewards when we depend on him solely as master and provider? Is it one of anxiety and fear or is it one of peace and trust? This is especially meaningful during this season that we are in of being in quarantine, of seeing COVID-19 ravaging the world, of not knowing what's going to happen even the next day, of even wondering if we would get sick. At the end of the day, who is our master? Who are we serving? And who do we trust to provide for us? And Jesus says, it is God, our Heavenly Father. And as we come to this morning's passage, we are now looking at how we would treat one another. The first six verses of chapter 7 speaks of how we shouldn't judge hypocritically, but yet we should exercise discernment wisely. And then we come into today's passage where we're called to look at the primary means by which when we are outside of ourselves and when we need help and we have control over nothing, where do we go? Where do we turn? Well, it is to our Heavenly Father in prayer. After all, how can we do anything to please God by our own efforts? What is the anchor to our hope when everything around us is shifting? How can we obey God and please Him day after day when we are sinners? How can we be salt and light as the local church in a world that's constantly changing? How do we love God, love neighbors, and even as Jesus exhorted people to do in His name, love their enemies? And how do we exercise discernment when there's so much in the headlines, when there's so much News, when there's so much sensationalism, when there's so many competing political conversations in this age of COVID 19, when information is changing every day, how do we walk wisely? Well, chapter 7 7 through 11 will tell us this that we need to turn to our Heavenly Father every day in persistent and desperate prayer for all of these needs. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask. Lord, that you would teach us how to pray, but more importantly, you would teach us how to turn to you with everything, all the time, as your children. Teach us, Lord, to trust you. Teach us, Lord, to desire to communicate with you. Teach us, Lord, to see you for who you are, Lord, so that we would turn to you in prayer every moment of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Let me read starting from chapter 7, verse 7. These are the words of the Lord Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. These two verses give a strong command. In three particular words, and then also offers a guarantee, a promise that responds to that command. We're reminded in chapter one, chapter five of 1 Thessalonians 17, where Paul says, Pray without ceasing. And that's what we're going to find here as you find a series of commands that point to the same action that God's people are called to do to ask and to seek, and then to knock." You know, this is showing us what it looks like when we are persistent and we are intentional in accomplishing this act of prayer. Asking, seeking, and knocking are biblical metaphors for praying. And as you can see, much like in Psalm 1, when the psalmist writes, "'Blessed is the man who walks, not in the counsel of the wicked,' Or stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, there's closer relational proximity and there's also a direction that one is going towards in asking, seeking, and knocking. You know many of us are now homebound and many of us with children then are de facto running home schools or as one blogger actually said, crisis schools. For those of us who are not familiar, with the homeschool culture and routine. And so imagine this, asking, seeking and knocking would be a way by which a child would reach his or her parent to get one of their needs satisfied or to get something taken care of. So if you're asking, that would be if the parent is next to you. Let's say you need help with homework. Let's say you need a Band-Aid. Let's say you're hungry and you wanna have lunch. If your parent is next to you, the child would look up and ask, Hey mom, hey dad, can I have something to eat? Well, if your parent is not in the same room as you and adjacent to you and they're in another room, then you would seek and you would go and find where they are. And when you get there, you would ask that question. Now, what if you get there to where the parent is and the child sees that there is a door, that there is a barrier hindering the parent from seeing the child, then what would they do? In persistence, they would knock on the door, hey mom, where's my lunch? Hey dad, can you help me with my homework? So asking, seeking, and knocking demonstrate how to approach with growing intensity and also with relational proximity towards the person to whom you are wanting to make a request. We find that Jesus commands God's children to do this, to pray, to turn to God, in everything. And there's good reason for this because you see that in verse eight, there's a guarantee that comes with this persistent pursuit of prayer. Because in verse eight, Jesus says, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. There's an immediate response to one who asks that that person will receive There's an immediate answer to someone that is seeking the Heavenly Father. He or she will find him. And the person that then knocks to reach his or her Heavenly Father with prayer, with a burden, that door will be opened and that person who is praying will be welcomed into the presence of God. Now, the word everyone is used here So this is speaking of all of God's children, regardless of how long you have been a child of God, how long you have followed Jesus, that if you are a child of God, he will hear your prayers. You see, God is the perfect parent. He doesn't play favorites. It's not like those that serve more or are more faithful or never make any mistakes in following Jesus will be the ones that have the year of God. No, God listens to all of his children. Now, this does call for a lifestyle of doing this. You don't just ask once, seek once, knock once. In verse 8, there is this clear tense in the verb of this being a continuously present action. And so, this is someone that is asking constantly, someone that is seeking regularly, someone that is knocking persistently. But as you do so, God will hear. God listens to your prayers, and the guarantee is that God will answer your prayers in the way that you have asked, that what you have done in trusting your life in His hands, in prayer, in turning to Him, no matter how feebly it might have been worded, no matter how tangled your thoughts might have been, if you trust God with your burdens in prayer and how you can live for Him, He will answer. Prayer is a guarantee, not just a hope. And actually, when the Bible speaks of hope, when it is anchored in a sure object, someone as sure as God, that hope is certain. The Father is always ready to respond. He is always actively answering prayers. And there are no exceptions if you are a child of God through Jesus Christ. No prayer falls through the cracks, God does not give preferential treatment, and God is the perfect Father that will do this. Now, if you understand then that God answers every prayer with no exemption for all those who trust in Jesus Christ, then you got to ask, in a world that we are living in right now with COVID-19, where things are changing every day, where there's reason for fear and anxiety, where we are called to keep physical... Distance, when we're separated from our loved ones and our friends, when our routine has been shattered, when we don't see an end in sight, if God answers every prayer, and if no prayer is left out from His children, then why is the world the way that it is? Well, the next three verses help us, because at the end, this is an issue of trust. If God answers every prayer, and He hears every prayer faithfully and responds accordingly, then How do we make sense of this God that is acting in the world that we are living in? Should we trust him? What is he doing? What is his character? And verses 9 through 11 goes to answer that. Starting from verse 9, Jesus brings up this family metaphor. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? This is not a trick illustration here that Jesus is giving. This is very basic parenting 101. So if a child is hungry, regardless of where the parent is at, even if the parent is stumbling along, juggling all kinds of things and immature, if the parent is good or even responsible in any way and cares and loves his or her children, he will give them food and sustenance. Bread and fish are the basics of sustenance in that society. And a child is hungry, a parent, upon request, and even without request, would supply and provide the children with what they need. Interestingly enough, how this is described is, well, if someone asks his parents for bread, would you give them something that would deprive them? Would you give them something that would trick them like a stone instead? If a son or a daughter asks for fish because they're hungry, would you instead give them a dangerous serpent instead of taking care of their hunger? Of course not. Even the worst of us as parents, and sometimes being in a home and having your routines completely shifted, sometimes that tests and tries even the best of us as parents, but we wouldn't not only deprive our children but then trick them, or worse, harm them when they request sustenance. And so this is a very simple illustration that Jesus uses to say, you know what, obviously every earthly parent or most earthly parents worth any salt would provide and give to their children what they need instead of giving them something useless or dangerous. And this is the reason why then parents can be trusted and used as an example. Well, here's the thing, God is the perfect parent. So when you look at verse 11, we see where Jesus is going with this. If you, the earthly parents who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I want us to look at a couple of things here. There's one word that stands out right away. And it's this word that almost seems to not fit when Jesus had just described what ordinary parents, if they're responsible and caring in some way, in some capacity, would do for their kids. And that is to use the word evil. Evil seems so strong. Evil seems so final in quality. Evil seems like Maybe what we see around us, what we would accuse others of, but not pointing the finger at a caring and responsible parent. That makes no sense. But see, there's something that Jesus is trying to make clear here by calling human parents, even good human parents, as evil. And it's because every human being shares a universal condition of having sin in our hearts. This is something that binds all of us, that before we are anything else, when we enter into this world, we are born as sinners, and thus we are evil, and we do evil things. You know, Jesus makes this very clear just earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, when he talks about how even when religious people do seemingly spiritual things, such as giving to the poor, such as prayer, such as fasting, that our affections could sometimes be bent towards what people think and how we want to be viewed instead of what ultimately pleases God and what He requires. And while we may never kill anyone, divorce our spouses, use God's name irreverently, or even take vengeance into our own hands in front of our enemies, the root of these Sins and these desires, and where they linger and flourish, reside in our hearts. You know why? Because we are sinners. You know, perhaps more than anything, when we see what is happening when our world has come into contact with COVID 19, it helps us to understand this a lot better. After all, Coronavirus is an unseen enemy. This is the reason why we have to practice physical distance and stay at home, and that most of us cannot work outside of our home unless we are considered essential services. The reason why is because this virus is unique and it spreads quickly because you can be a carrier even if you are asymptomatic, not showing any signs of being sick. Even if you are young, or healthy, even if you're wealthy or poor, single or married, liberal or conservative, whether you are a law-abiding citizen for your entire life or you are a perennial law breaker. No one is exempt from the danger this virus carries, as well as being a carrier themselves of that virus that causes the sickness. And so while it's easy sometimes to point fingers Maybe at people that are panic buying or people that are saying racist comments and chants. People that are battling each other and shifting blame in politics. People partying instead of taking this seriously. At the end of the day, every person can be in danger of catching and harboring this virus. And that's the reason why the whole world, in essence, is moving towards shutting down until this is taken care of. This reaches and touches every human being. There is no one that has enough money or enough access or enough status to be able to say, I am not going to catch this. I am invincible to this virus. It's worldwide. It's pervasive. Well Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 that sin is just like that as well. Paul says this, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So this word that Jesus uses evil to describe human parents in this metaphor all it means is that we are sinners. There's not one person that's exempt, regardless of how good you are, that you are a sinful and flawed human being in need of a savior. Well, you see, then this makes us fundamentally different than God by category. And so Jesus goes on to talk about this. He says, okay, well, so you could be evil, you could be sinful, but you can be good-willed parents who will do your best to meet your children's basic needs. So imagine this. Imagine if God, who is the Heavenly Father of all of His children in Christ, He is perfect. He is completely perfect in love, in holiness, in kindness, and in justice. Imagine what He would do as a parent to respond and to listen to your cries. It is a sure thing, it is a guarantee because God is categorically different from his creation, us who are sinful in our nature and in need of help. Even the worst father, in comparison to the best father, that gap is tiny compared to the best Father and God. That gap is not able to be bridged at all because we are categorically different from our Heavenly Father who is perfect. This distance between us and God is what Jesus points to then to be able to assure us that then when we pray and when we ask and seek and knock, and pursue our Heavenly Father with our burdens and our requests, that He will listen and He will answer, because that's how much greater He is than us. And not only will He answer, He will give us the best. In verse 11, Jesus says this, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, Give good things to those who ask Him. We're called to ask. We're called to be intentional. We're called to not give up in asking. But see, our Heavenly Father responds in the same way, with even more intensity and with absolute perfection in responding and giving us what is the best. So as we're considering this covid-19 crisis we got to think okay then god is answering prayer right now he is hearing the prayers of his children all around the world as they're crying out for all of their needs he is hearing he is answering help me to make sense of how what i'm seeing is the best it is good i'm not understanding this because there's so many reasons why i can be worried There's so many reasons why my family could be anxious. There's so many reasons why my community could be concerned. And there's so many reasons why our country could be in danger. So if we trust that God answers prayer and answers them every time and that He gives His children the best, what might that be right now? What might that be in this crisis, in this time of need? for which we are receiving the best, and we can believe that by faith, but we don't understand how it is good. Well, with that, I want to tie us back to our beatitude for this month. We've been memorizing one beatitude a month since the beginning of the school year as a student ministry and as a church. And so this month, our beatitude is this, from Matthew 5, 8. are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." Remember what I said about who God is? Absolute perfection, completely holy, righteous, loving, and good. That the chasm between us and God are like immeasurable, whereas the difference between the best of us and the worst of us are tiny in comparison. This verse tells us this that there is lasting joy to be able to see and to know and to be in the presence of God and this comes from a purity of heart you now to the Jewish people this understanding of heart is very significant because the heart is the anchor of everything that you are. It is the source of your affections. It is the root of your hopes. It is where all of your dreams reside and your heart's desires are the ones that matter to you the most. And so Jesus says, if your heart is pure, then you will have a clear view of God. You'll be able to see God, you'll be able to know God, You'll be able to experience God if your heart is pure. You know what purity means in this instance? It means it is unmixed and unadulterated with things that hinder, distract, and contaminate your view and the presence of God in your life. If there's anything that I can use to describe what many of our lives seem like, it is this is that we're so busy. There's so many competing priorities in our lives. You know, if you're a student, you're in school and you have schoolwork, maybe you're in sports, you're keeping up with your friends, you're playing games, you're trying to relax, but you're also under pressure to accomplish, to achieve, to get to the next level. There's so many things that take up your time, and that is the life of a student. You know, if you're a young adult, maybe you're getting into the workforce. Maybe you're in a relationship where you're considering marriage. Maybe you're trying to travel the world and see everything that is available to you now that you're done with school. And so there's so many ways in which your life and your resources could be divided and go in a variety of directions. If you are a young marriage, if you're a family, if you have older kids, all of the above, well, guess what? Your life has become more than about yourself. Your life has now become how you can walk with your spouse, how you can care for your kids, how you can support your family, how you can take care of your parents, how you can be active at church, how you can turn to the Lord. help in all of this and it just seems like there's not enough time in the day to take care of all those things and if you're 50 plus perhaps you're already thinking about when you're going to retire maybe you're thinking about whether you would have enough finances to do that well maybe you want to see a few things in the world while you have the chance and you're still healthy and maybe you are concerned about how healthy you are so that you can take care of yourself better you know, all these things take time. All these things can have us living a life in which we are pursuing one destination and one goal and one desire after another, but yet God gets gets lost in the middle of all of that busyness. But Jesus says this: Blessed are the pure in heart, for you will see God. And if there's any gift that I can see from our Heavenly Father during this time, which I don't know when it's going to end. It's all in God's hands. We could be in quarantine for a while, from weeks to months, and then life will slowly and not immediately get back to normal, I'm sure. But there's this one gift that God has given to us during this time as we're in our homes, not advised to go out, as we take our work home, as we are all in the same household together with our family, and as we are now intentionally pursuing one another through chatting and through online video and through ways in which we communicate and engage, is that God has our attention and God has more and more of our time if we are willing to give it to Him. You see, He is... Simplifying our lives in all the places and obligations that we have so that our hearts can grow in becoming pure and becoming unadulterated in its affections and becoming simple in its focus so that we're able to pursue God and see Him. There's so many things, brothers and sisters, that I know is on your heart as you're thinking about this. We have so many reasons to pray because we are so needy. Every day you look at the stock market and you look at forecasts and you look at all of these ups and downs and unpredictability. You see the government making all these decisions, you see people fighting, and you wonder, You know what is everything I've worked for in this life? Am I gonna lose it all? God says he hears, and God wants us to turn to him in prayer because he listens and he responds. You know, some of us are worried if we would get sick. Will we catch the coronavirus? Will we be people that would pass it on to our loved ones? And people. That we know. Every single day you see the news headlines and you see people that are infected, that test positive. You hear about people that pass away because of this disease. It hits so close to home. We all know someone that is impacted by the coronavirus in some way. And so you worry about your health. Well, Jesus says, Your Heavenly Father listens and your Heavenly Father responds when you pray. You know, some of us, we're sitting at home and we just feel like we're missing out. We're warning, where did all of our relationships go? We miss our friends. We miss our teachers. We miss our colleagues. We miss our neighbors. I know I miss you, FCBC Walnut family. It's very strange to not be in the building weekly where we could see each other. To lift up our hands and to sing out loud to God with you together as our praise team leads. To hear the preaching of God's word from the pulpit that we're all so familiar with. And to be able to pray together, giving to God our shared burdens. I miss that so much. I miss the hustle and bustle. I miss the running around. I miss the meetings. I miss, the trainings and the personal conversations. I miss seeing you face to face, even from afar. And I'd imagine that as we think about our relationships near and far, that this is something that we worry about too. We're tired of being at home. We're tired of wondering when we're going to see our loved ones and our friends again. You know, meeting virtually, chatting online, doing video things, it's not the same as seeing someone in person. We wonder how our relationships will work out when all this is over. Well, Jesus said, your heavenly father listens and he responds to your prayers. That whether it's our health, whether it's our finances or whether it's our relationships, now that we are all, captured in attention by the coronavirus and the danger that it poses and we are all now more simple in where we are in the home, where we live, we're traveling less, we're less busy, we're with family, we can have a pure heart. One that responds then to God in prayer. One that then seeks out God in His Word and one that then encourages one another as we continue to journey together through this crisis and beyond. You know, it's amazing how much this crisis has brought out the best in our people. It brought out the ingenuity and creativity using the resources that we have including new ones that we're constantly utilizing and developing. Did you know that we are now praying in three languages on Wednesday nights virtually and that we've had higher attendance and participation in our prayer meetings than we've had in a long time because everyone is prioritizing that and praying with each other? Did you know that most of our groups, if not all of our groups, are now connected through messaging, and the leaders are reaching their people on a regular basis that they meet now. They've set aside time now to meet online, to be able to catch up with each other, to be able to pray with each other, to be able to share with each other. There's now an intentionality that we are seeing as we are serving all the group's leaders through assimilation that we've never seen before. Did you know that ministries are still being planned right now for the future, immediate and long-term of our church. Why? Because we can't wait until we see each other again. While this is a new normal we have to adjust to, this is not a new normal we have to settle for. Our hearts are becoming more pure and we are seeing God at work among us. You know, Jesus summarized the totality of the Old Testament law With these two simple laws. Love God wholeheartedly with a pure heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. We are getting the opportunity day by day and week by week in our homes and outside our homes virtually to do this. And this is because we are all now because of these circumstances, much less distracted, much less adulterated in our priorities and affections, much less mixed in our areas of focus and busyness in life. So while it grieves us to see people catch this disease to see people die to see people scared and panicked to see the fighting to see the ignorance to see that the pain and the suffering that everyone in the whole world is witnessing and in some level is going through we know this god has not not heard or answered prayer for us as his people to see more of him, which is the greatest good and blessing he can give to us as the perfect heavenly father that gives good gifts to his children. And so I invite you to consider what Jesus is challenging the crowd here, but I want that to be your priority to be your application. That as you're going through everything that you are walking through in life every day, that you would simply apply in faith what you know in your mind and your heart is true. That instead of trusting and turning to the news first, that instead of panicking, looking and serving for the supplies in our grocery stores and wondering if you have enough, instead of wondering whether you'll survive As a family, whether your marriage will be intact, whether your kids will get along with you, whether you'll miss out on anything amongst your friendships or anything else that is in your heart's desire, turn to God in prayer. Turn to Him first. Turn to Him because you need Him. Turn to Him because He listens, and He will always respond. And where Jesus' words become a source of strength that we could build our lives on through any crisis, as well as blessing is simply this, that God is always working all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And this, my friends, is no exception in time, in history, or in your life. So here's the big idea for today. Turn to your Heavenly Father with your burdens and cares. He hears them all and gives you His best. Again, the big idea is this. Turn to your Heavenly Father with your burdens and cares. He hears them all and gives you His best.